You guys ready? I, I want to talk to you on the subject of peace this morning. Peace. I think it's, um, it's a topic we always talk about about Christmas, but I, I definitely think it's, it's a theme that we can talk about a lot through our lives, not just during Christmas time. Um, when we think about it, when the angels came to announce the birth of Christ, the angel came and, and, and they said these words. It says, glory to God in the highest, and, and what? In peace on earth, right? So glory to God in the highest, in peace on earth. Now you got to think, these angels just sitting like quietly come up into the conversation. Like they abruptly interrupted these shepherds at night and, and, and screamed this message. It would be like getting into your car at 8 a.m. in the morning, forgetting that the night before you had journeys don't stop believing blaring on about 60 decimals. It would be the same. So when he says peace, that, that would have resonated very quickly because they, they just got jolted. And not only that, and we're going to learn more about the shepherds next weekend, but these are not the best of the best. And God has chosen to bring his message of hope and peace and love through these lowly shepherds that were outcasts of their society. So the, the message was, is, is peace on earth. Peace is the very thing that you and I, we long for. We want peace. We want peace in every avenue of our life, in our relationships, in our workplaces. We, we want peace. We long for it because when we don't have peace, what we have is tension. And so for Jesus, even if you pay attention to his, his words in the Scripture, when he approaches people and and he has conversations, you will hear these words that he will say is, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Because this is God's message of coming to restore peace on earth. So we don't have to, the news would be completely different if we had peace. Don't you agree with that? It would be completely different to watch if we truly lived in a world that was that of peace. So Jesus would say things of peace be with you or go in peace. And these aren't just words that we, we should quickly read and, and move around. We've we got to ask the question, why would Jesus use these phrases? Why would he tell them to go in peace? And why would he tell them that peace be with you? Because again, I think what so many of us want in life, now, now don't leave me hanging on this, but what so many of us in this room want in life is just peace. How many of you would agree there's probably some areas in your life right now that you just, you need some peace. There just needs to be some peace. We're and I, I, I get it. Let's be honest. We, we're, not, we're not faking here. We're coming up on holidays and you're going to have to be around some family members that you just don't know if you can be around them. And I say that in a very loving way. Like there's been some tensions, there's been some issues, there's been some problems. And you're going to have to sit across the table from them. You, you've read what they've, they've written about you on Facebook or, or vague booked you or, or you, you've heard things that they have said and, and there's going to be some tension. There, there's some areas right now financially that you're worried about. There's some pieces in your marriage that you're worried about that there's more anxiety than there is peace. And I would just ask this question. If there's more anxiety working than peace, how is that working out for you? Because I would tell you that it's not a really good place. When, when we don't have the peace, but yet what we have is the exact opposite. Is this unhealthy tension of trying to be the peacekeeper instead of being the peacemaker, because we were called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. And what happens is we find ourselves afraid, we find ourselves lonely, we find ourselves super anxious. Am I, am I talking to anybody in the room this morning? We're on pace. So, Jesus 
tells us to go in peace and peace be with you. The angels give this message of peace. So I don't want to go through the Old Testament and then we're going to come back to the New Testament. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. And this is a verse in the Old Testament. It's Isaiah is a prophet. He's written prophecies. We read about his prophecies, especially during this time of the year. But I want to give you a little bit of context behind Isaiah chapter 26. See, they, they are living in the same kind of context that we are. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of like unknowns. Is this going to work out the way that we think that this is going to work out or what's going to happen tomorrow? And there's just a lot of fear and a lot of people's, uh, are, their souls just seem really, really, really unsettled. And the prophet Isaiah is, is prophesying of this day. He's saying that there's going to be a day that there's unbridled worship. And when you have unbridled worship, what that means is you just completely released all control to the Father when it can just be unbridled. I'm going to trust Him for every step, everything that's going to happen. I'm going to believe in God. He also saying it's not just there's going to be a day of unbridled worship, but there's going to be a day that's going to be filled with peace. You're not going to have those tensions and those anxieties anymore. There's going to be a passion. There's going to be a praise for the goodness of God. This, this is the context behind what Isaiah is saying. And he says this in verse 1. In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. And all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Let me tell you what we just read. We just read a promise of God. And you and I know this is one of the, the many, many promises that God has made in the Scripture. And what we know is the, the Scriptures, the promises in the Scriptures are always yes and amen. They come true. Scriptures do, the promises that God has have, have no expiration date. Okay? No expiration date. So th this is a promise. And I would tell you this too. This is a promise that you and I need. We need this promise. We need this promise to happen. Because what he's saying is that you and I will be kept in perfect Peace, the peace of God that comes from heaven. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of um, distractions of, of things that people will say these things will bring you peace when, when they're they're not peaceful. They they do not bring you peace. So I don't know about you, but I'm I'm way more familiar with imperfect peace than I am perfect peace. Any anybody follow me on that one? Like there there are moments that I think I'm at peace, and then I find out that I'm not at peace. I'll, I'll come up against an experience that maybe I had a bad experience with, and then I can just feel my soul starting to break down because it's, it's that imperfect peace that I have grown so familiar with. But God promises us not an unfamiliar peace, but a perfect peace. So what is that? Now the word peace in the Old Testament comes from this really rich Hebrew word. It's shalom. Okay, I want you to say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. All right, you've already passed step one to go to Israel. You can come to Israel. We're going in January. The, greet, the natural greeting that is used in, in the Jewish culture even today is shalom. It's the way that you would greet and the way that you would leave. And it's, it's a Jewish greeting that you would say in both your coming and your going. So somebody might say shalom. And you would say, so you already speak Hebrew. Hebrew 101. Here's what, here's what shalom means. It means wholeness, it's completeness, it's the fullness of peace. This is what you're wishing on someone when you say that. Okay? So it's not just, you know, for us, it's hey and bye or see y'all later. Or, you know, we have our different greetings and departures. 
but it was way more intentional and is way more intentional in, in the Jewish world. Because it's, it's not just saying shalom out of culture, it's saying shalom because we believe in the peace, the perfect peace that God gives us. It means it's peace in every way. It's complete. It's, it's not going to break down. It's, it's perfect. It's peace with God. And this is what you wish on two people. In other words, there, there's never this internal sense of fear or dread because you have this perfect peace. You don't ever have to ask the question of where do I stand with God? Have I done anything that God wouldn't love me anymore? It, you don't have to ask those questions when you can experience this perfect peace. There's never a worry of where, where do I stand with God? Because I, I, would, I would venture to say some of us worry about that. That we feel like in some moments we're in a really good place with God and in other times we feel like God might be upset with us and He doesn't want to talk to us anymore. Do anybody feel that way? Like there, there, there are moments that we experience what we think is peace and then it, it's not peace. And, and, and in this mindset, what it's saying is you can have peace in your circumstances even when your circumstances aren't what you want them to be. It's the perfect peace with a perfect God who has perfect love. Does that make sense? So this shalom is, is not just a, a, a greeting of a word. It is a testament of giving to someone that, that shalom. I hope that you can have wholeness and completeness in the fullness of peace of God. Now, what's so interesting about this, this Hebrew text in Isaiah is it says this, that you will be kept in, you ready? And I'll read it in the Hebrew. You'll be kept in shalom, shalom. It's like, did the author stutter right there and add that extra word? No, no. He meant exactly what he said. In other words, you will be kept in peace. Peace. In case you forgot, you will be kept in peace. And how many of you forget that we serve a God that is perfect peace when situations in life begin to, to cloud you, right? Because we'll go to everything else to try to, to be our solution to the issue when actually God is saying, I want to give you a double portion of the peace. So it's not just peace. It is peace, peace. It is shalom, shalom. It's, a, it's saying that you get the double portion. And God's saying that I'll give you more than what you could ever ask or imagine to have that peace. How, how, much, how much do you desire to have that peace? That, to take these unsettling issues, these unsettling emotions and thoughts in your mind, to have that peace to drive those things out and just be think of those moments to where you just feel like everything is off your shoulders and you can breathe for a minute you know those moments you know for some of you it's, it's just sitting in the car by yourself for some of you it's being out on a boat in the middle of water it's whatever that place is that you can just breathe for a moment and, and experience the peace of God is a reminder. And God says, I, I'll give you those moments. I'll, I will give you those moments, especially for eternity. See, the thing about peace is it goes beyond our human capability. Because here's the thing. We can have peace with each other, but one of us is going to mess that up. And we're going to have to, um, we're gonna have to repent. We're going to have to reconcile and then get back in, in the shalom. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like some of you right now, um, you're in the car. You hated each other. You were mad at each other. And you got out, and as soon as you got out, the Jesus thing just kind of took over. But you're going to go get back in that car. And some of you do not want to get back in that car because you know you got to finish that argument. And so what's going to happen here is you're going to have to figure out a way to restore peace. And I pray for you that you can have peace, peace, like a double portion of it. 
But peace doesn't mean that you won't have trouble in this world. So we, we sell that false belief to people. Uh, I've heard it spoken in, in the Christian realm of like, if you, if you have Jesus, you have no issues. If that's the case, I don't think it's Jesus that I'm serving because I still have a bunch of issues. I still come up against a bunch of trouble. Now, some of that trouble my fault. But Jesus told us, in this world, you will have trouble. And, I, and the disciples didn't even try to negotiate that one out. Like, can, Jesus, I'll give you this for that. Like, I, I, will, I will be okay not being able to sleep a full eight hours if you just would let it not be that I won't have troubles in this life. But, but he says in John 16, John tells us that Jesus goes, you, you're going to have, it's a guarantee you're going to have a problem. See, when our perspective is understanding that we're going to go through situations, we're going to go through troubles, it's a lot easier to accept the, the, that thought of saying, there's going to be trouble, but my God's given me a double peace. That I have shalom, I have wholeness and completeness and a peace with Him. Because everything flows outside of that relationship. So it doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to have a difficult time. So the question is, what is this shalom, shalom? What is this peace? What is the perfect peace? Well, you have to understand this, that peace isn't found in the absence of problems, but peace is found in the presence of God. Sometimes we spend more time staring at the problem than we do the Father. And can I tell you which one is bigger? In our minds, the problem is much bigger. That God is much bigger than the problem. And, and, there's always an and, he's already aware of the problem. And, he's not intimidated by the problem. And, if we will listen, he's already got a solution for the problem. Because my God works in the past, the present, and the future. And knows all things. Knows all things. And it's all about our perspectives. Of we're in the problems, and we can stare at the problems. And sometimes we will go and address our problems before we'll address the Father. Did you know a lack of prayer is the highest form of arrogance that we could ever have? We spend more time worrying about the problem and dwelling on it than we do praying about it. I was speaking uh, to, to one of our accountability pastors here at the church, Dan Greider. And Dan was talking about when we first started the church, he said, don't ever sit down and talk about a problem more than you pray about it. I said, what do you mean? He said, we decided in our church early on that whatever we discussed, that if we, whatever amount of time that we put on that, we were going to pray about it. I said, well, did people take that serious? He said, yeah, they wanted to buy a coffee pot. And they spent 30 minutes talking about the coffee pot. Can we buy this coffee pot or not for the church? And he said, all right, guys, we talked 30 minutes. Let's, we're going to pray about this coffee pot for 30 minutes. Nobody wants to talk about things like coffee pots anymore after that. But they spend a lot of time praying. Because the thing is, we get, we get it so out of perspective that we spend more time focused on what's not important instead of focusing on what is important. Because me focusing on the problem that I know good and well I can't fix 100%, my father can. And he's going to give me what I need to do that. And he's going to give me the peace that I need. Sometimes, by the way, sometimes the trouble that comes your way, he's not going to stop the trouble. He's going to allow you to walk through it. The good news is, he walks with you and he is our peace. It is the presence. It was said this way, that sometimes God calms storms and sometimes God just calms you. And sometimes we just got to figure out which one that is, but we have to walk faithfully within that. 
So God gives us this assurance that even when life is anything except what we want it to be, He gives us peace. He gives us peace, and Paul would say it this way, peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't have to understand to have peace. That's good news. I do not have to understand in order to have to have peace. So, this is not just this is this is a promise, but it's not just a promise. So, if if we know that God gives double peace, He gives us peace. The question is, how do we experience this peace of God? How do we experience that? And I want to show you here in just a couple of places of how you can experience that peace. Because the New Testament is very clear on this topic of peace. And what we need to understand is that there is a battle for peace. Because what the enemy wants is to steal, kill, and destroy. A part of that is to destroy everything that is within you so that you don't have peace. Because when you have peace, you have confidence. When you have confidence, you can change the world for the, with the gospel. But when you have no confidence, you just sit quiet and, and just do the routine and nothing ever changes. And that's what the enemy wants. But when you have peace about it, you can have the confidence about it and you can go and do it. And so we have to understand that there is this battle and the battle always begins in our minds. Think about the things that have been said to you over time that have played a massive effect, whether it was positive or negative. When these thoughts start to drill into our brains, there, there's a literal war that goes on in our minds. Man, I can, I can meet with people and I can counsel with them and we can start talking through the current issue that they're doing and we will end up backtracking about 15 years before the said incident that really sparked it and that was the root of what their problem is right now. It's amazing what happens when it gets in between our ears and it gets stuck into our brains and we begin thinking and taking on these things and it, and it does everything but create a peace. I mean, even being in church this morning for some of you is just not peaceful. You've not had good experiences in church. You're a little weary leery, worried about what's going to happen because you don't have that, that peace. And the thing is, like with me, I can know the truths of God. I can know the promises of God. But every once in a while, my mind likes to wonder to other untruths. Anybody else? Like you're confident, but then there are moments that you just start, you, other untruths, right? And that's the enemy trying to come in and disrupt the peace. The battle for peace begins in your mind. It begins in your mind. It's, it's, and again, it's a battle. And with battles, you have to fight. You have to fight. And there's some fighting that has to go on. But, but listen, the Father fights for you. He is your victor. And we don't fight for victory. We, we already have victory. We can proclaim victory through the cross of Jesus. So I want to show you these two. There's two different versions of this truth um, in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 23. And this is the, the New Living Translation that says it this way. That you will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are what? Fixed on you. So you will keep in perfect peace all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Your thoughts are fixed on the truth of God. Now let's do the NIV. The NIV states it this way. You will be kept in perfect peace those whose minds are what? Steadfast. Notice what Isaiah doesn't say. He doesn't say that you have perfect peace if your thoughts are fixed on every single negative thing that is happening to you. 
If you'll just focus on CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and whatever fill-in-the-blank news media, if you'll just focus on that and focus on all of your social media and what people are saying on there, here's what's going to happen. You're going to experience perfect peace. That's not what he said. He said you fix your mind on the truths of God and who he is. Then you experience peace. It's like when we were kids and you would get hurt, you wanted your mother's embrace or your father's, depending on your situation. Because for some reason, your leg could be falling off. But being held in mom's hands just made things so much better. Because it just for a moment, you felt like, this is going to be okay. My leg's dangling. But I'm going to be okay because mom was right here. Dad's right here. Grandma's right here. I remember the first time that my heart got ripped out of my chest because this girl in the uh, 10th grade broke up with me on uh, instant messenger. Um, it was rough life. Y'all know what instant messenger is? Teenagers? Okay. That was texting online before texting. And I remember it was so painful because in my mind, that was my whole world. You know, in 10th grade, you know everything. You know who you're going to marry, spend the rest of your life with, having the kids you're going to have. What kind of car are you going to be? Where are you going to drive? What are you going to work? You knew everything in 10th grade. And it was painful. And then I went to my grandmother, who was my peacemaker, my peacekeeper. And she said, the most truthful but most peaceful words I've ever heard. Get over it. You're in the 10th grade. You don't even know what God wants for you. You don't even know what you want for you. All right, oddly enough, I felt pretty good about life, went on, and um, thank God her advice was right because I found my wife, and uh, that's the sovereignty of God in itself. But sometimes when you have those moments of just knowing that it's not good, but having the embrace of, of, of the mom or your dad or, or even a friend, because the whole world can be fallen, but you know in this moment, last night we put, and I, I was... I don't know what I was thinking as a dad, but we put our kid on one of the rides out at the Monk's Corner um, Festival of Lights, and Stevenson sat beside me. Now, he's four years old, and he's never done anything like this, and I was like, this would be a great ride, the one that just slings you back and forth. He's going to love this. <laughs> and the next thing I know, like, I feel his body, and we hadn't even moved yet, because the thing, you know, as people get on, it's kind of bouncing, and he's, he is up on me. He's got his hood over his head, and I said, you good? He said, I'm scared. I said, Probably not the most fatherly thing, but I said, it's too late now. Like, we're in. We're in. <laughs> like, we're in. But I just wrapped my arm around him and held him. I said, I'm going to keep my arm right here. I'm going to hold you. And we rode, and he's screaming. Like, back, you probably heard him from wherever you were. And the ride stopped. I said, you good? He said, it was scary, but it was fun. Now, you know what made it fun? Daddy's arms. Pulling close. Everything was chaotic around him, but daddy's arm being wrapped around him. And that moment made everything better when when we fix our minds on the father it is his arms embracing us and pulling us in not to understand why things are happening but just to feel the father just to feel him so he says your perfect peace is when your mind and your thoughts are fixed on those moments those moments.
You'll have perfect peace. I want you to hear this. He says you will have perfect peace when your mind is fixed on Him. That's where the peace comes from. That's when you have it. In fact, there is another Hebrew word that's translated as fixed. And, and this one's a little different. It's in your outline. But it's the word samuk. But you actually have to that part. Samuk. And this word means that you lean on completely. So, so when we say, so let's translate this verse, and he says you'll keep in perfect peace. All whose thoughts lean completely on the Father, you'll have perfect peace. It's, it's a total surrender. It's a completeness of saying, I'm going to completely lean on the Father. There is no worries. It's a trust fall, so to speak. That you fall into His arms and, and His, His promises, if you lean on Him, you'll find rest. You can literally translate this verse to say this, that you will have perfect peace when you lean completely on, when your mind is resting on God's promises. And the perfect peace is when your thoughts are resting on His unfailing promises. That is the shalom, shalom. Or the perfect peace. The question is, what's your mind fixed on? Where's your mind at during idle times? Where does your mind drift to? What, what does your mind focus on? What consumes your mind? Like, what do, you, what do you do? What are you thinking? Because what's happening in between your ears is, is playing out in your life. It, it's, it's venturing out and, and, and forcing you to believe things, to do things that sometimes are just honestly, outside of your nature and outside of your character. And Paul says that when we can focus on, lean on, these truths will be kept in perfect peace if our mind is fixed on God. So in the New Testament, Paul, Paul talks about this a little bit in Philippians chapter 4. In verse 8 and 9, he says this. He says, fix your thoughts. Put your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Hey, can I ask you a question? Was there anything negative in there that he told us to fix our minds on? Nothing. And then he says, think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Okay? Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I want you to catch this next piece of this. Then, say that with me, the God of peace will be with you. It's all about where your mind is. It's all about who you're focused on. You don't have peace? What are you thinking about? Better yet, who are you thinking about? Are you thinking on His promises? Are you allowing the problems of the world to be bigger than your God? Because the promise is that if we think on these things that are true and honorable and right, and, and we, 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 we are thinking about things that are excellent and things that are worthy of our praise, He says, then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace. When, when your mind's fixed on God, when your mind is fixed on what is true, when it's fixed on what is worthy of praise, then the God of peace will be with you. So the, the question is, when is the God of peace with you? When is the God of peace with you? When your mind is fixed on His promises and His truths and who He is. That is what faith is. That God is who He says He is and that God can do whatever He says He can do. That's where we fix our minds. So, so how do we do it? So that's, that's cool. I get it. Like, 
when my mind is fixed on those things, that's good. But how do I do that? How do I keep my mind in those places? I like to remind myself of who my God is. Because I have to. I have to. I, I go through situations and I get all uptight. And I get all, I, like my Dylan side comes out in me just a little bit. And that's not very Christian. And, and, and so I have to start reminding myself that I serve a God who is everlasting. I serve a God who's not forgotten about me. I serve a God who knows everything, past, present, future. I know a God who has plans for me, not to harm me, but to prosper. I do know that there are going to be uh, arrows aimed in my direction, but I also know that my God has given a shield to protect me from the flaming arrows that the enemy wants to throw. I know that I have been made a new creation in Jesus Christ. I have to proclaim these promises over life. And then you know what happens when I do that? Peace. I hear people say things and I have to stop and go, well, that ain't true because Jesus says different. And peace just floods. Accusations can come. Negativity can come. But they have to understand when they come after a child of God, they have to come up against the promises of God and they will lose every single time if we will capture those thoughts and proclaim His goodness and what is worthy. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. Amen? More. Not conquerors. More than because we serve a God who does more than we could ever ask or imagine. So we have to fix our minds on God. We have to think through when these thoughts come, capture them. So he says this, you know, it's, it's the perfect peace of God that the world will never understand this perfect peace because that makes no sense. Why? Why? Because they would tell us that we're just ignoring the bad things. I'm not ignoring the bad things. I'm just putting the bad things in perspective of what they're supposed to be. Like, this is not the world that God created. But me living out the Christian values that He's asked me to helps restore that which He has created. And so, the world may not understand it because it's a peace that they'll never understand until they have Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate peace. And that's what we proclaim here at Christmas. So here's what Jesus says in John chapter 14, 27. Listen to these words. He says, what is he? Now he's about to leave. So he's, what does he say? I leave with you. What does it say right there? Peace I leave with you. That's a great gift to give somebody. He says, so peace I leave with you. Listen to this. What does the next line say? Whose peace? Let's say that with a lot more confidence. Whose peace? Jesus says that peace I leave with you. Not just peace, my peace. That's, that carries a lot more weight, doesn't it? Jesus says, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives, and because I give you my peace, because you have my peace, listen to this command, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't get all uptight. Chill out, relax, and do not be afraid. Because there's no reason to freak out and be worried when our thoughts are fixed on who God is and His promises. Jesus says, my peace. He's not giving you a peace. He's giving you His peace. And peace is not found in the absence of problems. But remember, peace is found in the presence of the Father. He is giving you Himself. That was the point of Jesus coming. To restore the relationship that we could have with Him. So we get to be in His presence. God's Word is so powerful if we'll take time to read it and soak it in. Don't worry about trying to read the Bible through in a year. 
Okay, if you want to do that, fantastic. If you do that, remarkable. But just get the Word in you. If it's, because sometimes I've said I'm going to read a whole chapter and I end up on two verses because of what the Holy Spirit begins doing and, and teaching me in those two verses. And sometimes it, it, we, we worry about, well, I can't give an hour to a quiet time. Can, can you give five minutes? Just like God, because it's so important that His Word is in us. Because we remember, this is a battle for our minds. What are we doing to fight? Because the weapon we have is the sword of the Spirit. And we have His Word. Any other weapon that we try to use to fight will just be useless, right? It'll be like showing up to a major battle with a Nerf gun. It ain't, it, nobody's doing anything but comedic humor there. But listen to what Paul says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says this. He tells us to fix our thoughts. Okay? So that, that's a part of thinking. So if, if our thinking is where it needs to be, now listen to this, because he's going to come in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he says this. We fixed our thoughts, but he also gives us this, that we, and I want you to listen to this word, because I said, remember, peace is about a battle. Listen to the word that he chose. We do what? That's a strong word, because if I told you I'm coming to your house today to demolish, you get a little uptight, right? What's he about to do to my house? <laughs> demolish it. We, we destroy, we kill, and he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We, 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 we demolish all these arguments. It, it, when we think it on God, it sets itself up to protect because we know this is not of God. We're not doing this. And then look what he says. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Oh, no, 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 no. That thought's going to come in my mind. It's an unhealthy thought. I'm going to capture that thought. I know what they said. I know what I experienced. But I know what the Bible says. And when we know what the Bible says, we are taking thoughts captive and making them obedient to Jesus. And we have a lot healthier minds that can hold peace because our focus is on the Father. So he says, you take captive every single thought and make it obedient to Christ. You force them out of your mind. You replace them with truth. So you say things like, no, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No, God is blessing me in my coming and my going. My heart is filled with love other, towards other people. And no matter how people may treat me, I'm always going to be a blessing because that is the promises and the truths of God that I'm going to choose to walk in. So I'm going to capture the thoughts and replace them with the truths. So if you're going through some type of hurt, a loss, a pain, a fear, I want to pray these words of Philippians over you because Paul says this. He, no, he's writing this from a prison. And Paul says, don't you worry about anything. That's the southern version. Don't you worry about anything. Instead, what does it say? See, I get this verse next. I, say, I, I don't translate this very well. Because sometimes I worry about everything. And I don't pray as much as I should. But I do complain about everything. Anybody else? All right, Paul, I don't know if you translated that right because I worry about a lot and, and I, don't, I don't pray as much as I need to be praying. I, I, I do more complaining and bargaining, you know, trying to barter stuff with him than, than I do actually praying. But he says, no, no, you don't worry about anything. And when you, don't have, you don't have to worry when you spend time praying over that thing. He says, so pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Some of us are so scared that we're going to bring our request before God and he's going to go, No because you feel like you're on some kind of naughty list with him. 
You are on a list. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are on a list. It is not the naughty list. It is the Lamb's book of life. And he says, tell God what you need. Thank Him for everything that He has done. I would even tell you, in your prayers, before you tell Him what you need, tell Him what you're thankful for. Because sometimes I have found, when I begin my prayers with God, I just want to say thank you for whatever it was that I thought I needed to pray and ask Him for. I no longer need it because I realize I already had it. It's a perspective change. He says, thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts. See, because remember, it's a battle. And part of battle strategy is you've got to set up some kind of safety measures to protect. And here's your safety measure. He says, you'll experience God's peace that will exceed anything that you can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as long as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? That His peace will guard. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to guard it. You just have to spend time in His truth. He does everything else. Because His words are strong. So, whatever you're going through right now, I, I want to just challenge you to fix your thoughts on Him. Think about what is good. Think about what is pure. Think about the goodness of God. What He's done for you. And your mind will be kept in perfect peace. Double portion. Shalom, shalom. As you focus on the One whose peace is for you and it is always with you and whose peace is good. That's the God we serve. And that's the message that we proclaim this Christmas. So if you're sitting here this morning, we're going we're gonna to sing a couple of songs declaring God of His, of His worth, of who He is. Thanking God for it, His His. his broken body being broken for us so that we could have this peace y'all understand had he not come and died on the cross he had to go through such a, a a horrible horrific death for us to have peace and he extends that to every one of us in this room so as we stand in just a moment and we sing these words and proclaim i just want you to spend some time where you are just praying just and this is a great exercise just start telling God who He is. God, you're good. When we sing, this is why worship's so important, because when we sing, we are declaring the truths of God to who He is. Whether you're, you're a Celine Dion singer or you sing with the alley cats, it's all about the heart. God, God wants you to proclaim it. He's not listening. This is not American Idol audition. This is you being real in front of a God. He knows what your voice sounds like. Bless the other people around you with it too. Because it's about our hearts. Let's proclaim this morning who our God is. He is a God of peace. A God of peace. Father, thank you so much for giving us this peace. May we fix our thoughts on you, just leaning completely on you, allowing you to be our God. So Lord, in, this, in these next moments, I just ask that you would just heal our anxiousness that we may have. Anything that we have right now that is causing us some, just causing us to lose our focus, I just pray that you would convict us of that and pull us back. Move our heads back towards you. Let us set our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus, our peace. Amen.